Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. I just moved away from the microphone right from the beginning. That's not too good, right? And this uh, new front address microphone is very sensitive for me moving away from its direct uh, line of impact, I would say, to a line of, you can't call it a line of sight, but a line of uh, hearing. Whereas the other microphone that I use, the Rode uh, uh, Procaster, was much more forgiving of going speaking at an angle and what have you so uh, if i ever fade in and out it is what my father would say pilot error it's not a, a problem with your equipment or what how you're listening it's this guy's this guy's problem this guy's fault you ready so uh hopefully things are going well for you today and once again uh, thankfully we're getting a little bit of rain i just checked the weather station and it's three tenths of an inch point actually point three two we have to be accurate right we can't just say three tenths of an inch we have to be accurate and um i was able to finally put to bed my crops the other yesterday and i mowed down uh both fields of corn and uh, in, you know i had some really interesting observations being a farmer looking at it from my first four plantings you would tend to think that um, well whatever they were such a disaster as i told you before i got nothing out of it and then i said you know you blame the you blame the planter you blame yourself and it's really hard to um, even though you know it it's really hard to recognize what a factor weather has on everything right because it's a crop it's a living thing and then when i went to cut the second field which is plantings five through nine which i was blessed to have some harvest from that uh, about five percent of the whole total farm but anyway uh i was looking at the uh yeah at the stand i said to myself you know there's nothing wrong with with this stand whatsoever i mean it's nothing wrong with the planter it's just uh just was the weather conditions but uh, hey what are you gonna do that but took me about six hours to cut down both fields and I knew it was going to rain the next day, or they predicted it was going to rain, and uh, so I wanted to get it done, and it was actually a nice time on a tractor, I mean, cutting, <laughs> at, you know, cutting down your crop is always, um, when you're a sweet corn person, it's you're not running it through a combine, so cutting down your crop, you already know what's in the field, what was in the field, or what was not in the field, or what was messed up, especially when you hand harvest, that's all blatantly right in front of you, but uh, lots of times it's bittersweet because it's over but you look you know the book of ecclesiastes tells us right there's a there's a time for everything a time to harvest and a time to, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what was pla- what was planted so yesterday was the time to cut all of that down and god willing get ready for my cover crop which this year is just going to be straight triticale i'm not doing anything fancy because uh i don't want to spend the money on a more expensive cover crop and have it lay on the ground because we just broadcast our seed we do not um, drill it in so that means if we get no moisture it's just going to sit there and do absolutely nothing and they didn't want to have an expensive cover crop seed just laying on the ground for god knows how long and then also uh with the with the mixes that i've been using that if you don't they don't overwinter i mean a triticale will overwinter without an issue it's a combination it's a cross between uh 
durum wheat and cereal rye so that'll overwinter beautifully so even if it doesn't come up until the spring it'll just sit there and um, nothing much will happen to it but the other cover crop seeds that the more the uh, the other aspects of the species in a well-defined mix which is i usually do between a three and a five-way mix that they will not overwinter so if they germinate and uh, they come up and they don't get 60 days worth of growth then it and you get a killing frost it's over obviously if it lays in the ground and does nothing well that'll that'll overwinter but that's not what the goal is you want to have a living root in the field at all times and you want to hold that soil structure together so uh that is that and uh you know interestingly enough when i was cutting down my crop the other day or yesterday i'm moving away from the microphone again just to adjust something here ready i don't know if i did that properly but anyway uh that i said it's amazing how the corn greened up just from the past showers we got in the, uh in the last week we got she's just about an inch and a half of rain in the last week so you could say to yourself boy my god if i would have had this a couple of weeks ago it would have changed things and it's very easy for you to want to say that i'm going to drift away here because i'm adjusting some of these settings here okay and uh but as a christian you, you don't want to say that because god's timing is perfect and god's will is perfect and obviously if it were his will for our farm and i guess other farms also but i'm just talking from my own perspective to have received this rain three or four weeks or last month and changed the dynamics of that crop and that harvest it wouldn't have changed everything but it would have it had the possibility of changing some things and plantings five through nine one through four was already gone too late for that but that wasn't his will so i have to really find and i do find peace and it's not that i'm convincing myself to find peace but i was disappointed that my thought process went by saying that oh if we would have gotten this rain a month ago things would have been different well yes they would have been different i'm not going to deny that they would not have but that difference was my what i had desired and not what god had desired so uh that is a that's uh something coming to that in your christian faith is often not easy but to put your will aside and recognize that whatever happened even though you would have written the story differently the best story is always written by the lord so even though we may not see it right now and the other thing i want to say sadly and uh, i have so many animal tragedies here you people are probably sick of hearing it already and um, but that is my heart is our our oh, there's a cricket again he's back <laughs> cricket is back but um creamy which was the we call them the bros the three alleys three litter three, uh, three litter our alleys three kittens that survived the first litter they're all boys and those are the ones that this feed with a syringe creamy was the biggest one physically and uh really nice guy the other two are black samuel and hanael supposed to be hannah but hanael ended up hannah being ended up being a boy uh creamy went missing the other day so this will be the third night that creamy is missing and uh he wandered off he's been starting to wander he's five months old and uh starting to wander so we're praying that uh that he does come home and we're still waiting for donald to come home so it's uh between the death of uh the passing of bella and uh and digger 
and Donald and the, the and now Creamy missing and the three kittens passing away. It's been a uh, challenging and emotional year here on the Bohax farm as far as all of our our beloved animals that we are that we have have stewardship over that the Lord has entrusted us to take care of. So uh, I was in the woods looking for that Creamy, but I don't know where he is. So hopefully, God willing, everything works out and he comes back home before you actually hear this podcast. Alrighty, so now what we're going to do today is we're going to get into our topic. And what had happened, like, <laughs> like I always tell you, like everything in my life, it's a bit of a story. And uh, I received, <clears throat> excuse me, I received a letter through the website, my website, and it's from a listener, or listener, uh, it's from a reader of Hemming's Muscle Machines. So obviously the gentleman also possibly listens to my podcast. I didn't confirm whether he did or didn't. He's going to listen to this one because I have his response in here. And uh, and he obviously is a, is a visitor to my website. Otherwise, he would not have used that medium to contact me. He would have done it through a letter in Hemmings. And what I did is I got back to the gentleman and I asked him whether I could use his letter for a episode of idle chatter but i i originally told him i said i want to just cover it in idle chatter because uh, i could give a better response than than in the magazine and sometimes in the magazine it takes six months for me to get a response in there it all depends on what i do is i do six letters a month for them and then it all depends on how the magazine lays out and how much room they have it will, it will dictate how much uh or when the letter gets in. So if it's a longer letter and they don't have, they, they manipulate, they, it eventually gets in there, eventually, but it, it could be six months from when the person, or six months from when I when I uh, responded to it, which could be seven months or eight months if I didn't respond to it for a month or two. Because I do have to choose what I physically respond to. So you don't want to have all letters on Chevys or all letters on carburetors one month. So anyway, so I reached out to the gentleman and he said he would love to see, hear his answer on the podcast. And I said, yeah, that's why I could go a little bit longer. But then I was starting to think about this question, and we will see how long my response will go. And I want to use it as a learning experience for the rest of the audience, not just to answer this gentleman's question about uh, his car that he's looking to modify. So as you all know that I always look to make these things a learning experience for everyone. So what I want you to do is think out of the box. Once again, it's my famous saying. All right, so if if you this is about a tune port, modifying a tune port engine on a, a GM tune port engine and tune port injection, which I will explain as we go on. And let's say you're a dairy farmer, you're a cattleman, you don't care about a tune port engine. But it's then again, it's a thought process, and it's and even though you don't care about a tune, tune port a tune port injection system, it is a response that I will be giving, and it's a thought process, and you can modify that thought process. It's not going to be one for one, all right. Modify the thought process, and to maybe use it as a as a way of analyzing something that you want to modify in your farm. Let's say that you want to put a uh, some precision planting type of equipment on your planter and upgrade your planter or or put downforce on your planter or do some different monitors in your combine or do something to your sprayer put put um putting 
putting more zone controls on your sprayer or what have you. So the same things, the same thought process has to be applied to things and you have to look at the big picture. And that's why I feel that this would have value to everyone in the audience, not just not just this gentleman who wrote the letter. All right. So without any further ado, I am going to read his letter and then introduce the topic and then we'll let it rip right and go from there and who knows if I go if I run out of time and uh, it's not if I if I get this done early then I will just randomly talk about something else and as you all know if you haven't known you kind of figured it out by now is that nothing that I do is scripted whether it's the, the podcast the radio show the on the road show or what have you i know what i want to talk about and i talk about it so i it's not that i go and do research about it or what have you if there's a fact or something i have to find that i would i would do that ahead of time but 99.9 percent of what i do is i i don't like to use it say it's off the cuff that i'm that i'm flying off the cuff here the thing is that because i'm not because i know the subject matter i'm saying that humbly and i know what i want to talk about so it's so when i come to do my shows every week i think about what i want to discuss the topic i want to represent to the listeners and then i just wing it from there wing it is the word i'm looking for and you know i used to do my tv shows that way my tv episodes on successful farming um i had no script or anything in my speeches whatever same thing i know what i want to talk about if i'm giving a, a, a keynote or something i'll have a powerpoint and i'll use the powerpoint as a catalyst and as a visual for the audience and the catalyst for me to say okay let's talk about this now so i have some so i have some continuity and a visual for the audience and a trigger for me so i don't forget something all right so we're going to read his letter now and hopefully i don't mess up this microphone Okay. Hey, Ray, I enjoy your current contributions to muscle machines. I am considering installing a TPI intake, that's tune port injection, on my 1992 Caprice wagon that has a 305 TBI, that's throttle body injection. Excuse me. It is a fairly low mileage. It's a fairly low mileage engine that has been well maintained, but lacks the low end grunt needed to move this whale. In heavy freeway traffic, lane changes border on dangerous. I plan on installing a B body LT1 cam and use the new FiTech ECU specifically for GM tune port injection systems. I've already updated the exhaust with a two and a quarter inch Y into a three inch single 18 inch extension that splits into a two and a half inch dual exhaust cat delete, catalytic converter delete. I've recently found a couple of great articles you wrote on GM's TPI systems, becoming one with GM EFI and waiting to inhale. In waiting, you wrote a long runner manifold will work best with a cylinder head that produces high levels of swirl. My question is, will the factory swirl ports used on the TBI be a good fit or should I look for the 305 TPI heads? Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And this is Dan Ayers. I'm going to pronounce it Ayers, A-Y-E-R-S, from Warner Robins, Georgia. All right, so now <clears throat> to the person in the audience that is not that familiar with with the car things of this of this 
up to this level is that I threw around a couple of or in the in his letter to me and rightfully so is that he used the jargon and the terminology and the abbreviations that would be common to a uh, to this community which is like as a farmer you say i got a lot of trash in the field well to a lay person that means that somebody threw garbage and soda bottles and an old washing machine but to a farmer trash in the field is either cover crop residue or old crop residue uh from harvest from the from the last year's crop corn corn stubble or soybean stubble what have you so what i'll do is i'll take a minute or so and just touch on a couple of different things here so he has a 1992 Chevy Caprice wagon, which was quite a big car, uh, and it has a 305 cubic inch from the factory TBI engine. Throttle body injection is a combination of a carburetor and fuel injection. So it, it mounts to the manifold, and it's what they call a wet flow system. So fuel and air course through the intake manifold runners just like it would on a carburetor. But instead of having a carburetor on it, a traditional carburetor, where it works through a pressure differential, it has two little injectors on the top, and they spray into atmosphere, and they go tick, 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 and they spray into atmosphere above the throttle plates into a uh, venturi. So that is what's called throttle body injection. A very, an excellent system. A Ford had a throttle body, Chrysler had a throttle body, GM had a throttle body. GM was the ones that first invented this type of system or brought it to market, I should say. And uh, very, very successful system, excellent system, a very reliable, low maintenance, does nothing wrong, uh, not complicated, but those engines were not powerhouses. They were not powerhouses at all. So the thing is that, uh, and that's what this, this Chevy has from the factory, this Caprice wagon. And then he said he's thinking about installing a TPI system on the engine, which was tune port injection. So tune port injection was General Motors' first mass-produced port fuel injection system. Port fuel injection meaning there is an injector for each cylinder versus throttle body where there's only one or two injectors that feed all cylinders. On four-cylinder applications, it was one injector. On six, on V6 and V8, it was two injectors. It's like a, so akin to like a two-barrel carburetor versus a one-barrel carburetor. Now, the tune port injection system came out in 19, 1985, was the first model year. It came out on the Corvettes, and then the F-bodies, the Camaros, and Firebirds. But the hallmark of the tune port injection system was a very, very long intake manifold runner. And that, so that is what he's trying to put onto this engine and to modify it and put an intake induction system, a fuel injection system on it that was not originally factory fit to this application. And then he is going to was planning on using an aftermarket engine controller because the throttle body engine controller would not control eight fuel injectors. It's designed to control two and we'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> okay. So now you have a little bit of a backstory of the jargon so it's not all greek for those that are listening and are not familiar with it. but then again keep in mind that it's i want to i want to represent a thought process of how you need to look at when you're modifying something then again i've repeated as i did a few minutes ago whether it's a planter whether it's a combine no matter what a tractor you're looking to put some sort of 
technology that was not factory fit on that piece of equipment and up and i'm going to say updated or what have you whatever term you want to use all right so so you're going to have to so apply that thought process and you know the thing is that at first blush when you look to bring some sort of technology into something that did not have it from the factory it you know it's hey you, you don't see any it's whatever like going on a first date the guy sees none of the problems with the girl and the girl sees none of the problems with the guy or when you just you buy a new car or a new piece of equipment or you buy whatever a new washing machine on the first load of laundry you think it's great after you live with it for a while then you find oh i don't like this or i don't like this or i don't like that so the thing is that they try to work through all of those things thoughts all of those ideas and potential pitfalls when you look to modify something and then also what you need to do is you need to look for all you need to try to identify whether the technology and i even though i hate that word that you're trying to apply to your equipment whether that really is uh gonna bring you value or it has the potential for bringing value but what you're doing is you're looking at it through the eyes of a piece of equipment that was designed around that technology so for instance so let's say that you have a um i'm trying to think of uh, think of something you have a um a old plate style planter and using that as a as maybe a poor example you have an old plate style planter and now you're trying to integrate downforce control all right uh on that planter which you could obviously do and you're trying to integrate it through a tractor that has uh that has no electrical capability or place to 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 mount this downforce control unit and a monitor all right so maybe that's a poor example so the idea of saying you have downforce control that's wonderful conceptually right but now they say geez you know can this tractor can this planter really accept this or is it not going to accept it so so think out think in that vein as i go through this with mr well i'll call him dan because i think it's airs Alrighty. So the first thing, Dan, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying that cockily. The first thing, what you need to do, and you did not represent it in this note to me, other than saying that you that you want this whale to move a little bit better during heavy traffic, and I'll address that later on. All right. So your first thing is you need to identify your goals and the end result, and you know. So you're saying you wanted to move a little bit, you wanted to move better during heavy traffic that you feel during lane changes that it's dangerous. Now, you know, if you've if you've read me, Dan, or if you listen to the podcast, or even if you never listened before, if you read me, you know that my whole column, my whole career is not based upon telling people what they want to hear. And I think as a professional, that you're not supposed to tell people what what they want to hear. You're supposed to tell people the truth and then they could decide whether they want to hear it or not but it's not my job to it's not a professional's job to tell you what you want to hear all right maybe if you go into a uh a psychoanalyst it's their job but that's not my job so first of all the thing that struck me is that granted a 305 throttle body engine in a 92 chevy caprice wagon is not a powerhouse you're not winning any drag races with it but 
you know, people have driven those things for hundreds of thousand miles, hundreds of thousands of miles, went all over the place <coughs> with it, what have you. And um, whatever power they had or didn't have, they, they modified their driving style to not put themselves into a dangerous situation. And no matter how fast your car is or how quick your car is, all right, the thing is that all you're basically doing is if you're trying to to power yourself or accelerate yourself out of a situation. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a situation in the world that that sometimes a little extra power can help you, but it's usually because the driver put themselves in that situation. All right, and yes, there could be a, there could be a time we say, well, if I accelerated a little bit quicker, then I would, you know, I would not have hit this or this would not have hit me. And yes, I recognize that, but you know, keep in mind you know keep in mind that and and i'm saying this respectfully dan you know everybody who's a car enthusiast thinks they need 500 horsepower otherwise they're going to get get killed on the highway well let me tell you one thing for years i had an 83 s10 with a two liter 700 r4 from the factory talk about a a a kid on a tricycle could out accelerate that vehicle all right and uh, and then a, a friend of mine who was older than I and sadly he passed away. Art he had a new at the time. Uh, he bought new at the time, 1976 Mercedes. He kept it for 20 years, and uh, it was a 300D diesel, naturally aspirated 300D in a 76 Mercedes. All right. I mean, that made my S10 with the 2-liter and the 700R4 look like a, a, a top-fuel dragster. And yet, Art drove this thing all over, commuted to Newark Airport every day. My S10, I drove all over, would have did whatever, never got killed with it, never had anything. So you learn to drive and not put yourself into a precarious situation, all right, because you know of the the, the capabilities of your vehicle. Just like if I put 3,000 pounds of fertilizer in the back of my pickup truck, well, I know I can't take the exit ramp at the same speed that I would if I didn't have 3,000 pounds in the back. So to me, I'm saying it respectfully, Dan, is that you want to hop up this car, which is a 1,000% fine. I'm the hot rod farmer. But maybe you're trying to sell it to your wife under the guise of it's a safety issue or what have you. So please don't be offended because I mean no offense by that. All right, so you have to identify your goals and you have to identify your commitment to it, both financially, your efforts, and your time. And with anything in life, you have to identify that. So if you're looking to modify something, then you have to make sure that you are fully committed to it. It's just like like a gym membership or buying a piece of exercise equipment or buy or buying a, um, a, a, a new piece of farm equipment or shop equipment. Are you dedicated to learning how to use it? So when it comes to modifying this, is that, uh, you know, how dedicated are you to it? And I'm saying, I'm using that word respectively. What is your level of commitment? Because you're talking about adding, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of obstacles along the way with this switching it to a tuned port if this so is the path you choose. Anytime you look to modify something, there's obstacles that are going to, the things that you think that were going to be hard oftentimes are easy. And the things that you think are going to uh, be uh, easy are oftentimes side side. Or take the train right off the track 
All right, so that is something that you could only decide your level of commitment. And both financially, time-wise, and and <clears throat> and uh, your efforts. You say, well, you know, I don't mind doing this, but I don't mind, I don't want to do this aspect of it. So you have to answer those questions. But think of what, just figure what it's going to cost you. And I would say double it and figure how much time you're going to have in it. And I would say triple it. If you're happy with those numbers, then that is a 100% fine. All right. And if that is your goal and that's what you want, I'm just going to uh, just uh, clear my nose here. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So we're going to base, I'm, I'm going to just assume that that is your, that, that you're committed to this. But what my concern basically is that if you were to convert from a throttle body to a tune port injection style system, and these these engines came with a tune port injection to Camaro and Firebird, but never in any other vehicle, which is fine. But the fact of the matter is the hallmark of the tune port injection is that it has a much longer intake manifold runner. And whenever you lengthen the intake manifold runner on any engine, gasoline or diesel, is that you're changing its torque characteristics. A rule of thumb is the longer the intake runner, the greater the amount of torque that the engine is going to make. And if and and even though we all buy horse <clears throat> buy horsepower, we drive torque. So the thing basically is, is that what Dan is looking for is more torque because he wants this 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 big Chevy wagon to accelerate better, be more responsive, and what have you. What my concern is, and we're going to get into the intake manifold and the tune port design and what have you in a minute. My concern is that you're still dealing with 305 cubic inches, and though the tune port and the tune port induction system will magnify the torque and bring the will increase the torque, but most importantly, bring it in at a lower engine speed. All right, is that I don't think that you're that you're going to see that much of a gain that it's going to be worth your ROI, return on investment. Then again, I cannot make that decision for you, all right? If you say, well, I want to do this as a hobby, if it becomes a labor of love, this is a passion of mine, I want to say I have a, I have a Chevy Caprice with a tune port injection, God bless you, that's fine. But if you're looking, I'm afraid that you're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money, and you're going to say, yeah, it's a little bit better, it is better, but it's really not what I want it to be. And the fact of the matter is, is that how do you how do you quantify what is what you want it to be is very very difficult. So if you're saying to me you're looking for a hundred more pounds feet of torque and forty more horsepower, switching to a tune port is not going to do that. So so I that that that's you know that's the oddball. This is the fly in the ointment here, the wild card, but. If you said it was going to be a larger motor, went from 305 cubic inches to 400 cubic inches, and I wouldn't even—I would say bypass 350, because that's only 35 or 45 cubic inches more. But even if you said 350, then you'd have the—you'd have the basis of the longer runner intake manifold that has the bias towards torque, and you would have the additional cubic inches that are helping you, regardless of what you do. 
you're still dealing with 305 cubic inches and the mass of the vehicle. So I personally think, even though there's nothing intrinsically wrong with your plan, I think it's not going to deliver the results that you had hoped for when you put this all together. And as long as you're open to that and saying, all right, fine, you know, it doesn't deliver the results that I hope for, but it runs well and I get a little bit more power, like I said, that has to be your your decision. So the thing is that whenever you're looking to modify something, you have to be truthful with yourself and you have to identify your goal. What is your goal? I'm looking to make my combine more efficient by adding X, Y, Z. Okay, that's fine. What is your level of commitment to it financially? I'll have to say emotionally, financially, emotionally, all right, and your effort. And if then you need to 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 identify that right at, right from the beginning, because uh, otherwise there's probably nine chances out of ten you're going to be disappointed. All right. So now, <clears throat> Dan. Let's talk about a long runner intake manifold, which is the tune port. If I remember correctly, and I I, I don't, re- I kind of remember, I remember the titles of the two articles that I had written years back about tune ports, and I want to thank you so much for finding them. And uh, I don't remember what magazines they they ran in, and I, and for finding them, and for reading them, and for complimenting them, I greatly greatly appreciate that. But let's talk about the tune port injection system. Its lineage goes back to 1985, and it was designed for the C4 Corvette. They came out with the new Corvette in 84, and it used a different type of throttle body system, which was a real pig, ran well, drove well. When when it's saying running well and driving well, meaning starting, stopping, idle quality, what have you, all right, but was a real, was, was a dog as far as performance was concerned. And then the next year for 1985, the same body style came out with the tune port injection system. Now, keep in mind that since, you know, it gets back to what I was saying in the opening segment of the show, is that you have to look at what was the original design intent of something. So if you're looking to take, let's say, an engine from a uh, a, a C15 from a Peterbilt and put it in a combine, well, maybe that is a good crossover. Maybe it's not. All right, so the thing is you have to look at the design intent. So if you're looking for an end, let's say if you're looking for a, uh, to, to power an irrigation pump and you're looking at a uh, an engine that was in a Corvette, well, that's probably not a good choice for an irrigation pump. So there are design intents and design criteria. And as design intents and criteria are what's going to make a successful modification or not. So... Now, keep in mind, if you look back at the C4 Corvette, is that it had a very low hood line. So the fact of the matter is the tune port injection system was designed to have a very low hood line for the manifold to be very close to the valley of the engine. And when it's close to the valley of the engine, it allows the hood to close on it and give you the aerodynamics and a line of sight and everything that the, that the total package of the car wanted. Now, when you have a low hood line like that in any type of application, even in a farm tractor, all right, is that is you're usually you're cramping the design 
elements under the hood because you have to make it fit into this small package or this low package so what happens with the tune port injection system they have a very long runner which is if i remember correctly is about 24 inches long and the intake port in the cylinder head of a small block chevy that generation was about six inches so it was about 30 inches long altogether and on when you look at a tune port the left, the left runner feeds the right cylinder head and vice and vice versa. So it's a very long runner to make torque. And we're going to break that down into a little bit more of a deep dive as I go on. So now, what are the what is the positive of a long runner intake manifold? The positive of a long runner intake manifold, it has the ability to make more torque. And I'm going to leave it at that because it's because it's there's a little bit more to the equation than just making more torque and i will work my way into it the negative of a long runner intake manifold it, it is very very camshaft sensitive so in your letter you were saying that you were looking to use a b body which is that body style gm vehicle it was the buick roadmaster the cadillac fleetwood and the chevy caprice lt1 camshaft now the lt1 was the later engine in those body styles and that was a a, a port fuel injected engine was not a tune port all right tune port is a is a is a name like you would say caprice or you would say uh whatever i can't even think of anything at the apple iphone so it was a iphone 10 so it was a model of fuel injection system so people can wrongly consider anything with port fuel injection a tune port it was not a it, that is not what we're talking about. Tuneport was a brand name for that GM fuel injection system. Just say Jeep. The guy's got a Toyota 4Runner, and you call it a Jeep. It's not a Jeep, okay? It's a it's a SUV or it's a four-wheel drive vehicle, but it's not a Jeep. So the Tuneport injection system was designed to have a very long runner to make torque, but that it its name Tuneport indicates that it was that its length and cross section was designed to what they would call what a manifold resonate at a certain engine speed and if in the simple way of understanding manifold resonance would be like a cat purring or a dog wagging its tail all right so when the manifold starts to resonate it's when it's working and it's very working very efficiently to fill the cylinders with air so so that's where it got its name from tune port was not just a random name that was thrown out but what happens is when you have an intake manifold that has such a long runner length is that it is very very sensitive to the camshaft design as i started to say whereas the lt1 type of manifold had a three inch runner length so we're taking from a forgetting about the runner length in the port of the cylinder so you're taking a camshaft that would work well that is designed to work well with a three inch manifold three inch long manifold runner and putting it on a an intake manifold as a 24 or 25 inch long runner not good all right that is that that camshaft profile is completely wrong for a 24 inch long runner 
Will the engine start and run? Yes, of course it's going to start and run, all right? But it is not the right camshaft for that. So when you have a long runner like that, or you have a conversely a very short runner, that the camshaft profile needs to be matched. There's very little room for error in matching the camshaft profile. The second negative about a tuned port is that it's very heat sensitive. On any engine, for every 10 degrees Fahrenheit that you modify the intake air temperature, be it hot or cold, gasoline or diesel, carburetor, fuel injected, makes no difference, is that you're going to impact power by 1%. The hotter the air, the power goes down 10, 1% for every 10 degrees. The colder the air, the power goes up, all right, 1% for every 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Plus, what will happen is that the hotter the air, the more prone the engine is going to be to want to detonate. So that is that becomes an issue. Why is that an issue with the tune port? It gets back to the runner length. You have this 24 inches of aluminum mass underneath the hood, which is a big heat soak. It's a big sponge. And because the air is traveling 24 inches, all right, it's going to have a lot of time to absorb heat. So the amount of heat transfer for any given underhood temperature, and you're down in Georgia, but I don't know how you want to use this vehicle that's just going to a cruise night with it or as a family car or, or what have you, is that you're going to have high underhood temperatures and that manifold is going to become a very, very big heat sink. And you're going to put a lot of heat and because of the long intake manifold, runner length the long travel time in the in through those runners is that it's going to take a it's going to have a lot of ability to absorb a lot of heat so you'll have an engine that actually feels pretty good for the first couple of minutes of operation and then once it gets hot under the hood and you start to absorb all of that heat the thing is going to lay down like a uh, is going to lay down like a dog on a hot august georgia day underneath a shade tree it's not going to make any power so you say well why did they do that with the corvette well the other thing that comes into play is that talking about a, a machine that's designed around something versus trying to retrofit it is that another problem with the tune port system and you have to think about this on your caprice wagon is that where are you going to get the inlet air from and back 30 years ago, it was very common with street rods and other guys and hot rods to put a tune port on whatever, a 55 Chevy, an old bucket T4, whatever it was, right? And uh, and they would somebody came up with this these little air filters that fit right in the front of the throttle body. Well, the problem is, is that you are breathing all of the hot air off the radiator. And that makes it even worse. So not only are you having the residual underhood temperature that is going to heat the charger and cost you power, but you're breathing the hot air off the radiator. And if that vehicle has air conditioning and the air conditioning is evoked, you're getting the hot air that's first coming off of the condenser, then trying to cool the engine and now being sucked into this throttle body. So I don't know where you would duck the air in from aren't they because you don't want to breathe underhood air and you certainly don't want to breathe underhood air right off the radiator it's getting back to the corvette if you look at a c4 corvette 
What they did is the way the air cleaner was designed, they had an air filter assembly with an air box that was in front of the air conditioner condenser. So the Corvette was able to breathe ambient air, whatever the ambient air may be. <clears throat> it wasn't breathing under hood air coming off the radiator. Now, if you look at the same tune port engine in a Camaro Firebird, it had a much less efficient intake air track it made a right angle right from the throttle body and went over to the fender well and was looking to to try to suck some air in over there and it was further heating up breathing hot air so then again the c4 corvette repeating it so so you have to look at the same thought process i want to put this on my combine the factory did it so john Deere did it or case ih or fent did it from the factory i want to retrofit this to mine you have to look at everything you say okay i could bolt this on here i could put this over here all right so i'm using the air intake is that the air intake is going to be a problem so now you not only now you're breathing hot air all year round and in the summertime you're breathing extremely hot air and it's the engine is going to be make no power so you'll be breathing 250 300 degree air into that engine before it even gets heated from the thermal transfer of the engine from inside that runner and you have to remember as i'm repeating it is that's a lot of mass of aluminum and it's going to soak up heat like a sponge it's going to be a big heat sink and it's going to be very very hot just the normal heating underneath the <clears throat> underneath the hood that is going to retain it so it's it's going to not give you the desired results you want the other thing that comes into play is that you have that 24 inch long runner and you have the plenum and you have all of this and the, the the plenum on the tune port but you have to realize is that the plenum all right the common area on any manifold has a has a very very high impact on the idle stability of the engine <clears throat> and the basic rule of thumb is that you want to ha you want to have a plenum that's no more than 1.5 times the displacement of the engine so as far as cubic inches as far as the volume is concerned now when you have a larger plenum on on any application you're going to induce idle instability because what's going to happen is that during camshaft overlap you're going to have this big this this big area that's going to that's going to that's going to store a lot of a lot of standing waves so on this the, the amount of time that the intake and exhaust valve are open even if it's a short amount of time all right it's going to come it's going to have reversion back in there and it's going to be having this this it think of think of hauling hauling a liquid let's say in a tote and it's a 275 gallon tote and you have it half full so you have about 130 gallons in it, and you're going down this this country road that's 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 uh, got dips in it and tilts and high crown and low crown, and the fluid is sloshing all around. Well, what's going to happen is that you have in the back of your pickup truck that the fluid is moving all around, and you're going to feel it moving the whole truck around. Well, that's what's going to happen with a large plenum. And if you look at like a drag race engine or a race engine, they have a big camshaft and they have a very 
very small plenum, and that's how they're able to get it to idle nice. You may hear the boom, 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 like that, but you have a lot of idle stability, whereas when you have a large plenum like this on a tuned port, so there's a lot of this, and gets back to, again, the camshaft profile, very, very sensitive to the camshaft profile so you're going to have this heated air in this large plenum with the wrong camshaft and this is not going to be a happy camper all right so the other thing is that with that with the long runner it's a very torque biased manifold so yes it's going to make more torque at a lower engine speed but also it's going to be very peaky, just like a drag engine, whereas a drag race engine, all right, with a very short runner and a big camshaft, is very peaky at the high end. A tuned port style engine, the long runner intake manifold, is going to be very peaky at the low end. So it's going to feel real good from, let's say, 1,800 RPM, forget about the heating, 1,800, 2,000 RPM, up to about 2,500 RPM, and then it's going to go, 3000 rpm then it's going to go flat all right because it 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 it's not it's not going to rpm because the path that the air has to travel is too long for it to fill the cylinder at a very a very quick valve event as engine speed goes up the amount of time that the valves are open the intake valve is open to fill the cylinder yes in crankshaft duration degrees doesn't change but in clock time it changes so what so you're not going to spin this motor so it's going to be very very punchy right off idle and then once you say oh man this thing starts to feel good and it's 3500 4000 rpm and it starts to nose over and by 4200 rpm it's completely over and then put it on a hot day it's probably going to lay over six or seven eight hundred rpm sooner than that so it is not a desirable desirable com com a combination so now if you look at a lot of modern engines where this is not considered a modern engine anymore is that they have some long runner intake manifolds out there right but but it's a it's different just like saying well look you know the new john deere combine has this why can't i rep why can't i retrofit this into my 1992 combine all right maybe you can maybe you can't but you know it's 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 not the whole it's not just what you're looking at just like people think that fuel injection uh, is on a gasoline engine is is what the cure-all to everything in the world it's it's engine management they bring this whole thing together just like a person who's who's converting from conventional till to no till you really can't go from convention on my farm i couldn't go from conventional till to no till without fixing my soil transitioning getting my organic matter up, up my base saturation up and going with going to minimal till with a field cultivator and then eventually going to no-till when you know using cover crops to get my my soil tilt better you couldn't just go right to no-till from from the way my soil was it wouldn't have worked it would have been a hundred percent failure so the thing is that a modern engine that uses a long runner intake manifold granted 
not maybe as long as a tune port, but some of them are, is that they employ a lot of different theories. First of all, they employ a variable runner length intake manifold. So inside, even though you're looking at the runner, there's different passageways, and there's a flapper that's controlled by the engine management system. So at low RPM, it has a long runner for the torque, and as the RPM starts to starts to go up, what it basically does is that it, it, it closes a door inside there and makes it a short runner manifold. So now you have this very broad area under the curve, which is which is going to give it the the low end punch of a long runner and the top end charge of a short runner manifold rpm charge because they're controlling the runner length the other thing you know i said right in the beginning very sensitive to camshaft profile well now you have this variable runner intake manifold and you have variable cam phasing which almost every engine has today right right from the factory and now you're taking the cam and you're switching the, switching the overlap on the cam on a dual overhead cam engine all right so anything with multiple cams you're switching you're modifying the overlap you're changing the phase of the cam all right so now you're not making so you have the right cam profile for the long runner you have the right cam profile for idle with the, with the larger plenum volume and you have the right cam profile all within the same grind by moving the phase we're not going to have this on a 92 chevy all right so this is not going to this is not going to happen so if you put this all together all right then again i don't know what your goals are or what your desires are but you put it all together i think that you're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money on it and a lot of effort and it most most likely will not achieve the results that you want you may say oh, on a cold day it feels a little bit better definitely feel it definitely feels better but you know it's not what i had hoped it to be or what have you and so so that is where i'm at with that i'm not trying to dissuade you i want you to think of this all the way through before you start to spend your money so now let me get it let me just move away from the mic for a second and put the dragster on <clears throat> sorry for having it on so long <clears throat> i needed to try to get a, a drink and it was uh it was out of reach <laughs> plan poor planning on my part right i'm talking telling you to plan in but poor planning on my part so now <clears throat> this is what i have a i'm the hot rod farmer so i'm not against you doing something i'm mean, obviously i'm not against you i mean it's none of my business what you do but I truly want you to be happy with it. I want to give you the results that you're hoping for. The idea is that without you setting a goal, as I said, opening this, that's going to be very, very hard for, for, for you to be satisfied. You're either going to be dissatisfied or a thousand percent satisfied, nothing in between. You're not going to be partially satisfied. So this is what I think that you should do is i would keep your throttle body system this is this is plan one all right as you could see i'm i'm personally against you putting a tune port on it too many obstacles where you're going to suck the air from what have you marginal result it's still a 305 cubic inch engine all right so go from there 
what I would what I would what I would, would suggest for you to do is take the heads off of the engine right now that you have bring them to a good shop and I mean a good shop that does some race work some performance work and let them do a good valve job on it let them and let them open up the balls do a bowl porting job a bowl job on the cylinder heads and the bowl area is where you're going to get the the the, the greatest increase in airflow into the engine with the minimal amount of work so by doing a good five angle valve job and importing the bowls you're going to have a substantial amount of airflow increase and an engine is an air pump and the throttle body system even with the stock calibration is way richer wide open throttle so you don't you don't even have to worry about that so i do a good five angle valve job and open up the bowls and i would probably and i would probably even cc the heads and maybe deck them a little bit to get the compression ratio up a little bit more maybe a quarter of a half a point whatever talk to your machine shop and see what you want if, if you can't get at least up a half a point it's probably not going to be worth the effort to deck them but i would still do, i would still port the bowls and then do a uh do some machine work on it i would also i mean you know uh that machine work valve job i would convert to a one six roll you could do a roller tip rocker rocker on it doesn't have to be a full roller do a one six roller tip rocker on and give you a little bit more valve lift there but you're not getting it out of the cam you're getting it out of the geometry it's not going to affect the idle quality whatsoever I would also do a little bit of research and see if you could find if they still make them anymore a camshaft that is a rv style camshaft or like a pickup truck all right and you could put that in there a throttle body cam as far as that give you a little bit more power now you have to remember other than you know possibly doing the and if you do a stamp steel roller tip rocker one six or even just a one six that's not even a roller tip but i would do a roller tip on it save some heat off the valve and blend the bowls and do a nice valve job this 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 thing is going to run like a baby all right and you're going to pick up you're going to pick up power as far as that's concerned and you'll pick up power throughout the rpm range so i would look i would look to do that and it's all going to bolt together it's going to fit underneath those valve covers there's nothing is going to have to be changed the other thing that i would look to do with the engine is not even with the engine i would see what rear end ratio is in there i mean at best it's probably a 323 and that's probably a 700 r4 automatic so i would put a 370 or a 410 gear in it that's going to give you a lot more punch with the overdrive it's going to it's going to still give you you know good mileage on the highway but it's going to give you a lot more punch so i would look to to have the the multiplicative factor of the gear ratio help you to get it moving and i'd also look to put a little bit looser torque converter on it in it all right i would before you took this apart i would do a brake stall test on that torque converter it's probably around 13 1400 rpm all right and i would look but we used to call it a, it actually was a, a corvette torque converter so it was a 700 r4 torque converter from a corvette I've, i mean that was gm from the corvette so and it was just, and it would stall just about 
it would flash stall to about 2200 rpm it probably breaks stall to about 17 1800 rpm and that's going to give you with the with the with the with the 410 gears or 390 gears whatever you could put in there i'd probably put 410s or something in it and then with the airflow from from porting the cylinder heads and uh and the valve job and possibly a flat tap that's a roller cam excuse me or a cam a tune port not tune port a throttle excuse me throttle body cam for like a pickup truck or even if not i wouldn't put a i wouldn't buy a a, a gm cam for a pickup truck i'd look to get something either something that's meant to be a towing rv type of grind or leave what you have alone you're going to get a lot more punch out of that engine and it's and with the exhaust system you have and no cats on it it's going to be a nice little piece on it you could all right so it's going to be a nice little piece it's going to be relatively inexpensive compared to the route you want to go and you know that you're not going to be suffering all the tpi long runner maladies okay so that is so that is my first suggestion my second suggestion means that you totally rejected my first suggestion right but you've also rejected the fact that you're not going to go with the tune port then to tell you the truth what i would do is i'd build a bigger small block chevy for uh something around 400 cubic inches and uh with a you know single rear piece piece main block so you could use so so you could use you know everything the same the flywheel what have you balance it to match it a factory flywheel and i would build it with a decent set of heads on it uh i would go with a um and i would and, you, and this is where i'm stumbling over my words because you're not going to want to hear it i'd go with a carburetor I, I mean, it's already emissionally illegal with what you've done taking the catalytic converter off. But what do you want fuel injection for? I mean, it's just going to overly complicated. There's so many great four-barrel carburetors. To, I would build like a nice little small block for like a 400. I mean, I would probably stay away from a 383, which is basically a 4030 bore with a 3750 stroke crank. Very, very common common back years ago because you could buy a stroke or crank and put it in a one-piece rear main 350 block but i built like a 400 for it and uh which is a fourth and four and an eighth bore you know 400 406 there's a lot of decent cast iron cylinder heads today that will outflow everything that you have right there's a lot of nice dual plane intake manifolds and you get a nice carburetor for it with a distributor all right and you'll be all 100 percent good to go all right the engine has a distributor now you don't need any fuel injection you could buy a controller for the for the transmission have a looser a little bit looser stick with that same corvette style torque converter in it and you'd have a real nice piece <clears throat> turnkey all right you could drive it to california you could drive it all over i'd probably build like a 10 to 1 a 10 to 1 engine with so it's a pump gas engine um nothing crazy a flat top piston in it a nice little camshaft in it and you'd have your 400 horsepower you probably if you if you do the camshaft and do everything right you'd probably have 450 pounds feet of torque you'd have a lot more torque you could just and just go that route and i would build a nice carbureted small block for it It fit right nicely underneath that hood nobody needs to know the difference and uh you'd have you'd have probably less money less effort in it 
and and you and you will get the results that you want and probably better than the results that you that you we're going to get with the tune port i just think the tune port other than if you have a great passion to have a tune port engine in a 92 caprice wagon all right then like i said i'm 100 percent respecting that the tune port manifold really was not a great i'm not gonna say it wasn't a great design it was a design that really put you in a box but other than a c4 corvette that where you're gonna pull the air from was a real problem as i said c4 pulled it in front of the radiator in front of everything had ambient air had a straight shot right into that manifold all right and uh was was that manifold was at its at its best on a c4 corvette but still as far as the heat is concerned rpm limited is that that's all going to come into play very very sensitive to camshaft profile i'd build it i tell you the truth i'd either do i, I would probably do what i the the first my first plan with port the heads the stock heads you have now valve job maybe put a little bit more compression in it by by milling you could flat mill those heads you don't have to angle mill them all right a one six rocker arm some 410 gears in it and a, a, a torque converter that would stall at about 2200 on the brake or even flash the 22 on the brake 17 1800 on the my mind is 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 getting ahead of me have it break stall till about 17 1800 and flash to about 2200 like a c4 corvette torque converter 410 gears you'd probably pick up 50 horsepower with the with the um with the porting and the rocker arms you probably pick up 60 horse 60 pounds feet of torque and 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 that's it and 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 it'll give you the punch that you're looking for drive the vehicle sensibly sensibly around the mass that it has and then that's it and be done with it or build a nice little small block i wouldn't go with a big block because there's too many fitment problems in there not that you couldn't do it i mean if your labor of love is to do it then that's fine it's certain you could put a big a big block in it a 502 or something and you, you away you go with no problems but a nice little 400 or so cubic inch small block in there with a carburetor and uh you could actually just get it you could actually use the in-tank fuel pump and just and get it regulated to knock the pressure down from nine to 13 to seven pounds and it'd be very very easy installation relative in relative terms work great all right a carburetor would it would it choke on it you'll be able to start it in the coldest day in, in the winter not that it gets that cold in georgia but if you go someplace else it'll be a great piece idle beautifully it'll run it'll run fine it's it because it's wet flow versus dry flow you have the phase change of the fuel in the manifold so that's why a carbureted engine is nowhere near as sensitive to laying down in the heat as a dry flow engine specifically like a tuned port because that phase change of the fuel is going to make a big difference it's the latent heat of vaporization and the the carburetor engine on a hundred degree georgia day with you sitting in traffic and 250 degrees 270 degrees under the hood will have more power than than the tune port on a cold winter day so that's basically it so that's so dan do i, do I think i have i think you are dan i got all excited i put your paper to a side yep dan i want to thank you so much for for writing to me 
I told you an email, you're probably going to not like what I what I told you, but you know, think this through. And like I say, it's your car. There's no wrong or right. But I've seen so many times over the years where people get an idea, they get wedded to an idea. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but it's not, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of money, and it's not what they think it is. And it ends up not being what they had hoped it would be. And that happens with farm machinery, farm equipment, with everything also. So even though we spoke about intake manifold, runner length here, heating up the charger and what have you, that you need to think the same way when you're modifying or bringing some technology over into a piece of farm equipment that did not originally have it. And just like I spoke about the variable runner intake and the variable cam timing, you may have 90% of what makes that technology be desirable on a new combine but that last 10 percent is what really makes it work and you don't have that and then you spent a lot of time and a lot of money and you really got and you got some results but you say to yourself hey for you know it's like putting a shot of fungicide on or putting a folio feeding on or something you say well i really didn't get the the time and effort that i put into it i did not get the return but then again if this is your hobby and that's what you want to do then god bless you there's nothing wrong so dan please reach out to me because i know you're going to listen to this on wednesday so reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and i specifically did not talk to you in any more detail because i wanted to have a cold turkey letter just as you wrote it i didn't want to have anything else in there to skew this because i want it to be a learning experience for everyone so hey i want to thank you so much for tuning in i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is born for you the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day, and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.